This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, September 9th, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. Republican candidates across the board are running against Obamacare, but what are they running for with respect to health care? Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute, says two of the candidates appear to be running on Obamacare light. What are the candidates saying about health care? Obviously, Obamacare is unpopular. People want to repeal and replace, even though that's unlikely. Well, you're not going to be taken seriously as a Republican presidential contender unless you oppose Obamacare, unless you swear up and down that you want to repeal Obamacare. Because if there's one issue that unites the Republican base, it is opposition to Obamacare, which is why candidates like uh, John Kasich, who has actually implemented part of Obamacare at the state level, the, the law's Medicaid expansion, are having a little bit of difficulty with this issue. But I think as time goes on, even more Republican candidates will have difficulty with this issue because while all of them want to repeal and replace Obamacare, uh, a lot of them are are forwarding replacement plans that have a lot in common with Obamacare, that resemble Obamacare so much that it's fair to call them Obamacare light. And two of those candidates are Scott Walker, governor of Wisconsin, and Marco Rubio, senator from Florida. Walker and Rubio were the two of the earliest to introduce their replacement plans. And they are relying mostly on something called a refundable tax credit for health insurance. Now, that sounds like a tax cut. And what's better, you know, in in this world than tax cuts? Republicans are, are for tax cuts. But when you look at this proposal, it actually has a lot in common with Obamacare. First of all, Obamacare subsidizes health insurance through these so-called refundable tax credits for health insurance. So so this is something that's already in Obamacare. You're going to be repealing Obamacare if you're one of these candidates and then replacing it with something that's already in Obamacare. And the tax credit functions exactly like an individual mandate. If you buy the health insurance that the government says you have to buy – then you pay less money to the government. If you don't buy that health insurance, you pay more money to the government. Obamacare calls it a penalty. Rubio and Walker call it a tax break if you comply. But in both cases, you're paying more to the government if you don't buy health insurance. And under the Walker plan, the effective penalty can reach – it's very high. It can reach $7,800 for a family of four. Another way it resembles Obamacare, this refundable tax credit, is that If the government's going to create this tax break for doing something, then it has to define what is that something you have to do in order to get the tax break. So it has to define what is health insurance that qualifies you to get this tax credit for health insurance. And the the necessity of, of, of coming up with that definition of health insurance gives the federal government as much control over the design of your health plan and as much power to force you to buy coverage that you don't want as Obamacare's individual mandate does. So that's a second way that a tax credit for health insurance resembles Obamacare. And a third way that a tax credit for health insurance resembles Obamacare is the refundable part. Now, what does that mean? Well, refundable tax – a tax credit means that say you're eligible for a $5,000 tax credit and you owe the government $5,000 in income tax. That means that if you get this tax credit, it completely wipes out your income tax liability. You pay nothing to the federal government in income taxes. But what if your liability, your tax, income tax liability is zero? Well, if the tax credit is refundable, what that means is you still get the tax credit – and we're calling it a tax credit. But really what it is is the government just gives you $5,000. So it's actual government spending. And Obamacare's refundable tax credits under, – under Obamacare's refundable tax credits, only about 20 percent of 
the money involved is an actual tax cut. It's people who had an income tax liability and are paying less to the government. The other 80% of the money involved in Obamacare's tax credits is just checks that the government is writing really to insurance companies. And so what that means is because the government is not cutting people's taxes, it's increasing spending, refundable tax credits involve massive redistribution of income from taxpayers to people who are not going to be paying income taxes, which is yet another way that the Walker-Rubio refundable health insurance tax credit approach resembles Obamacare. And I think this is going to be a problem for them going forward as more and more people focus on their replacement plans. They're going to notice, wait a second, why are we repealing Obamacare if we're just going to replace it with something that is fairly described as Obamacare light? The big problem with health insurance and health care in America has been that the federal government does not tax employer-provided plans and advantages uh, employers that choose to provide health insurance to their employees. It takes people out of the market in, in, way, in several ways in terms of shopping around not just for coverage but for actual individual services as well. You propose large – what you call large HSAs as a interim measure to get the government out of the health insurance business. Right. The government shouldn't be picking winners or losers when it comes to whether you use your money for health care versus other things or how you pay for health care. And the tax exclusion, which is the wonky term for it, but this tax preference for employer-sponsored insurance is a prime example. The government decided to bestow this favorable tax treatment on a form of health insurance that you don't get to pick your health plan and it disappears when you get sick and you can't work anymore. I don't think any consumer in their right minds would pick a form of health insurance so insecure that when you get sick and can't work anymore, it automatically disappears. And yet that's the horse the government decided to back, which tells us the government should not be picking winners or losers at all. So if that's the end goal, if you want to get government out of the business of deciding uh, – of picking winners and losers, deciding what kind of health insurance you should buy and how you spend your income, you want to get rid of all tax preferences for health insurance and any health-related uses of income. It's really hard to get there in one big step. And so – and I think that refundable tax credits actually make it harder to do that, to eliminate those sorts of tax-based distortions of people's decision-making because it – for one – if for no other reason, then it's not just tax-based distortions we're talking about here. We're talking about actual new government spending and billions of dollars in government spending that's much harder to get rid of than, uh, than if you just had to do tax reform. I mean, tax reform is hard enough as it is. So as you say, what I've proposed is a way that to take an interim step toward getting rid of all these preferences for different ways of, uh, of, of paying for health care or, or using your income to buy health care versus other things. And I call it large health savings accounts. Uh, you know, millions of Americans already have these tax-free health savings accounts that are cu currently coupled with a high-deductible health insurance plan. But I, th I think that what happens, what has to happen in order to make healthcare better and more affordable and more secure, is to reduce the, the government's ability to influence how we spend our money on healthcare. Uh, and, and the way you do that is by recognizing that that tax preference for employer-sponsored insurance is not a tax cut at all because the $12,000 that your employer spends on your health benefits comes out of your earnings, your compensation. If your employer weren't paying $12,000 toward your family coverage, then that your employer would have to give you that $12,000. So 
What that means is if you're earning $50,000 a year and you've got health coverage, well, actually, your total compensation is $62,000 per year. And the reason for – but the reason it, it seems like it's 50 instead of 62 is because your employer gets to control $12,000 of your earnings. And the reason for that is this supposed tax break for employer-sponsored insurance. But that means it's not a tax break at all. This is a government tax policy that takes $12,000 of your money away from you and lets someone else spend it and buy your health plan. And that sounds to me like a government program, not like a tax cut. What large – what expanding health savings accounts would do would be – it would create a vehicle for you to take that $12,000, for your employer to give you that $12,000 tax-free as it is today, but in a form that you own and that you control and that you can use to buy the health plan that you want or buy no health plan. You can use it. You can save that money. You could pay for medical care directly out of pocket. And that gets the government out of making those sorts of decisions for you in a way that refundable tax credits do not. And, and I think this is important to note, if you let every worker who's got employer-sponsored insurance control that money their employer is controlling on their behalf, uh, in effect, over 10 years, you're talking about a $9 trillion tax cut returning $9 trillion to the people who earned it. And that is as big a tax cut as all of the Reagan and Bush tax cuts combined. So I think that's an idea that's ripe for some presidential candidates somewhere to, uh, to seize on and, and others, uh, you know, maybe members of Congress who want to uh, reduce the government's influence over people's health care decisions and thereby make health care better, more affordable, and more secure. Michael Cannon is Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Read more of his work at Cato.org.